What is up, guys? And thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We're recapping the NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks win the franchise's second NBA championship after beating the Phoenix Suns in six games. A performance from for the ages by star Giannis Antetokounmpo lifted the Bucks over Phoenix in what it was really to Kendall to me just a, a really remarkable series for all the folks that were complaining this is going to be the most boring finals ever where is LeBron where is Steph where is KD I mean I think a lot of those people had to eat crow man because I thought we saw some we saw some basketball players we saw some hoopers we saw all 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 the above when it came to this series and we got to talk a lot about what happened with this uh, this series. Kendall, of course, being my co-host, you picked Bucks and Six. I have to give you that credit as much as it uh, is to my chagrin because, of course, I had Suns and Six. And again, like I said last time we had this podcast, Suns and Four guy, probably the guy, probably the person feeling this the most is the Suns loss. But uh, you had the Bucks winning in Six. So I guess just off the top, did anything surprise you with how this series went? Um, did anything surprise me? I would say off the rip, I think the biggest surprise was Giannis. Giannis's ability to make, to show a level of shot making. And, um, and, 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 and just mental fortitude that, I don't think a lot of people knew that he had. Mm. Um, you know, we we talked about it after the game last night, uh, all fair about. Um, you know, this was a guy that was going through, you know, clearly, uh, clearly some issues at the free throw line with his jump shot throughout his the beginning, the early parts of this postseason. Yeah. Um, in a way that was similar to Ben Simmons, but we saw him, whether it be through just his own mentality changing or whether it be through just putting in the work that we don't see, he somehow was able to reverse course and in the midst of a playoff series, transform himself into a guy who was a capable shooter. Um, and that wasn't, I mean, and a, and a respectable foul shooter. And that, that was a twist that was hard to expect for a lot of people. Um, other than that, um, I also think the other big thing that was, uh, a bit surprising was to see the Bucks not win. Cause I figured they would win this series, but I thought the games that they would win would mostly be pretty, uh, pretty clean handy, pretty clean and, uh, one handily, uh, victories. Um, but they won a lot of close grind out games right that if we're keep if we're being honest was that was the thing we thought they couldn't do we thought oh you know they'll be able to you, you get them up 10 15 um they're not to say that they're front runners but they're a team that's hard to come back from because they execute well and they've i mean they, they 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 know how to get shots and they defend well um but Late in games, did they have enough closers? Did they have enough late shot, late clock shot makers to beat a team, uh, beat a playoff team uh, in a seven-game series like that? 
uh, especially a final team like the Phoenix Suns. And again, most of the games they won, whether it be through Chris Middleton in most of these games, but also Giannis making plays late in the games, Drew Holiday making plays late in the games, they had a variety of guys that were able to step up in those equations. And that that um, were all things that, that definitely impressed me about this Bucks championship run. But uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I thought they would win. The, the things that didn't surprise me were the, the Phoenix Sun stuff. Um, and we'll get to some of that. But um, but overall, I, I think the Bucks certainly they were an impressive champion. And when, when you mentioned um, when you mentioned the, the, the lack of surprise, or excuse me, the, the surprise rather at Giannis turning around his shooting, when you really think about it, I mean, he turns it around like yesterday, <laughs> like, like, I mean, you know, it, it, he, he struggled from the free throw line in this series. He struggled making shots at times in this series. Uh, but I think that's what kind of made that performance for game six to me. I, I, I said it immediately, one of the greatest finals performances of all time. And again, it's if someone wants to debate that, or argue that I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. The guy scored the most points ever in a closeout game in the NBA finals. So I don't, I mean, it's it's mind boggling that someone would even maybe make an argument against that, but um, but to do it under that kind of pressure, to do it in that moment, to get locked in to that level, it was just special stuff, man. And um, the one thing about the Bucks that I thought was crazy about this playoff run is the last time we had this podcast, I said that I felt like the Bucks didn't do didn't make the necessary strides and didn't go through the necessary necessary growth needed to win a championship. I felt like in many ways they were kind of skating by, even though obviously winning any NBA playoff series is a lot of hard work. It just seemed like a lot of the issues you had with them and a lot of the concern you had with them, it, it, they never went away. Like I, I, I felt like they got by and they survived these series, but it didn't feel like they really were advancing and thriving in these series. And they're like the Bucks are like the. I, I do not mean this as like a as like a backhand compliment at all. But they're kind of like that like procrastinator where you just kind of think, man, this person ain't never gonna get this job done. They're just not doing the work or whatever. And then, but you know what? At the last minute, last second, where they need to make the plays and shots and do the things needed to win a championship for this playoff run, every time they did it, and we kept doubting them because they oh, but they did it at the at the you know at the twenty third hour, and look at all the circumstances surrounding them doing it, and at, and you know it was it was all BS to be honest. You no, know, now we think about it in hindsight, yeah. it was all BS. They made the strides throughout. They just did it in a way that perhaps wasn't as convincing as maybe us, the viewing public and the critics would have liked. But I, the reason why I bring that up is because it was very evident. They made that, those strides to me in these last two games, because these last two games were the ultimate test. This is like, now you're at the final exam and maybe you're, you're, you're skating by the college course the whole way, but the final exam, there's no hiding. There's no, you know, there's no way to hide. It's either you know the material or you don't know the material. And for the Bucks, it was: Do they know how to execute? Do they know? Do they have a plan late in games? Are they able to make adjustments late, late in series um, to teams that are adjusting to what they're doing, or can't they? And you know what? They showed 
and they passed with flying colors. They they survived an onslaught in Game 5 from the Suns in the first quarter to come back and win. And again, one of the more iconic plays you'll ever see in the playoffs, that holiday steal to the Giannis alley-oop. And then to whether the Suns come back in Game 6 at home and play a nip and tuck, you knew it was going to be a one or two possession kind of game. And to have your star player, the guy that some you know, you know, experts, quote-unquote, were saying was a Robin and was the second-best player on his team despite being a two-time MVP, seeing that guy rise to the level of putting on an MVP-caliber performance, a legendary-caliber performance, dare I say a GOAT-caliber performance, in that spot, you're just like, wow, they really did it. <laughs> like, and it just, it, it, that to me, I think was just surprising, was that we sh- we should have taken their the steps that they had made throughout this these playoffs more seriously. But nonetheless, for them to, to rise to that occasion when they absolutely needed to, there was no excuses, no hiding. It was either put up or shut up in game five and six. And they just, I mean, again, they thrived in, a, in just an, an unbelievable level. Um, obviously, major shout out to Giannis Antetokounmpo, finals MVP, extremely well-deserved. Chris Middleton, just an incredible shot maker, clutch shot maker throughout these playoffs. And what I what I learned, Kendall, to me was these, this was a team that was very easy to root for if you don't have any agenda. You know, yes. Like to me, if you have an agenda for certain players or certain teams or are viewing the NBA in this weird way that's rose colored towards your fave, um. Yeah, the Bucks kind of they they broke all your narratives last night. It was a rough it was a rough situation watching them win that championship. But if you're just watching basketball and you just like basketball, you see John Santa de Cupo, this man was uh it was a child um in poverty in Greece with his fam with his family selling, you know, like, you know, like cheap merchandise on the streets of Athens. Um Chris Middleton was playing for the Mad Ants in the, in the G League. And these guys, and these, <laughs> and these guys led their teams to NBA championships, to an NBA championship. I mean, that's that's just remarkable to me. Shout out to Coach Bud, man. Coach Bud took a lot of crap, and I think he earned all of it. I don't think that I don't think that oh we people were out of pocket. I think that there were times where he didn't get the job done as a coach. But you know what? None of that matters because he won a championship. And he made the right adjustments needed in each of these series when we were criticizing him for them to get over the hump. And I thought he made some great uh, moves in these last two games, especially at at Game 6, that I thought helped propel them to that uh, clinching Game 6 win. He deserves a ton of credit. I think the 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 front office staff deserves a ton of credit. They made that, I just thought, to me, just a Russian roulette deal with the Pelicans to bring in Drew Holiday, not knowing, not having Giannis signed on the dotted line, almost, well, they did botch the deal with Bogdan Bogdanovich, still got Giannis to sign, and Holiday shooting was a little haywire at times, but the defense was there every step of the way, and without his defense in this series, whether it was guarding Book or Chris Paul in this series, they don't win without him. The whole team, they have a lot of people eating a lot of crow today. And they deserve a lot of credit, man. Shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. Phoenix Suns, it was a great run. 
to me, what I so what I told you last night is, I thought their age just showed in these uh, in these last few games. And I think the age for Chris Paul on the old side, and I thought the age on the young side for Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, because at the end of the day, as crazy as it sounded, nobody ever thought. At least I didn't think it would come to this. That like Giannis would be just going so demolition derby on them that they needed somebody to answer him. We all thought that oh, late in game, Giannis isn't the greatest. He can't make free throws. You can kind of control him. That's been the, the narrative, and to, to some degree, there's been truth to the narrative, at least in the postseason for the last several years. Um, that got flipped, and now it became: Do you have any kind of offensive answer for what he's doing? And I thought Chris Paul is a, is obviously the point guard. The legend Hall of Famer, but he wasn't gonna he had no answer for what they were doing. And as long as Devin Booker was being guarded by Drew Holiday, who had him in his back pocket, he wasn't gonna have the answer. And DeAndre Ayton, Ayton a really great young player, had, a, had an awesome playoff for the most part, shrunk, I thought, in this game six. It's not to say that there's anything to hang their head over. They had a great run, but you don't see teams often jump the line when it comes to the development and the, the, the growing pains of winning a championship. You don't see a team go from a perennial loser, never make, basically never making the playoffs, to then the next year they win an NBA championship. That's just extremely, I mean, I, I, if you could, without, I can't even think of the last example that happened. Acquisition. And, I mean, look, Chris Paul was a great move, but... I don't think he improved their team leaps and bounds. You don't, you don't, you don't just, you don't go from a perennial loser to a champion with adding one all-star typically. That just doesn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen that before. Yeah. So they were, so they were, they deserve a hell of a ton of credit for the growth that we saw, but it just may have been unrealistic to think that given what the, the trial and tribulation, the bucks have went through that, they weren't going to be a little tougher under that kind of metal than maybe this Sun scenes were. But, man, shout-out to both teams, though. They put on a great finals. A really great way to cap off the NBA season, a uh, season that was, you know, very still very odd and weird given all the stuff with the so, pandemic. But you kind of forgot all of that by the time we got to the finals. And all the I don't remember if I said this. We talk a lot, so I don't remember if I said this on our show or if I said this on off-air. Uh, I believe it was on the show, but um, I think I made the case going into this finals. It was uh, something that I thought was a little controversial, certainly controversial at the time. Um, but I, I, I made the point that if you're the Phoenix Suns, um, you have to think about giving DeAndre Eaton that max contract. Yeah, um, you, I think I think you mentioned that the last time we did this pod. Yeah, I think the last time which we was, had our show, I which was fairly up. bold, because at that moment in time, Aiden, it was just, a foregone conclusion. He just crushed the Clippers, and he was having a great playoffs. I mean, people were saying, "Now look," and no, he, I mean, look, he's still an excellent player. But yeah. people were saying, you know, he was, you know, Elijahwan Ewing, you know, David Robinson combined, and he. You know, I mean, look, in this series, I got some flashbacks to the thing that some of the stuff we saw with Roy Hibbert. It wasn't that bad. But, you know, it was, you know, there was there were moments in that last game, especially where I thought he definitely looked kind of spooked. Um, he looked definitely. a little bit of a deer, a little bit like a deer in headlights. And um, that's not to say that I really my opinion of him has changed. But I wonder if the opinion of others have changed. 
you right. know, are like I, the sense that I've gotten from the Phoenix Suns fan base is that they would like to, they would still like to resign him long term, but ideally not at a max, a full max deal. Which I think is a little bit more reasonable. I've seen some people throw out ninety million, eighty something million, um, as opposed to whatever his full max being the number one pick would be uh, for five years. So, really, and it goes back to what I said before about I'm just a little concerned about bringing back, bringing guys in or bringing guys back on that kind of money based off what they're going to be and not what they are now, because if they're not what if they're not good enough to be a max player right now, and then you're giving them that money, if they don't get any ble- if they don't get any better, then you're overpaying a guy. Right. Which in today's NBA, overpaying a guy to be a max player is just it's a way to it's a way into into mediocrity. So that's going to be the something that the Suns are going to have to go through um, this offseason. I still think he'll get the max, and I don't think it's crazy to give him the max, but. It's still something that, that I think the teams are going to have to think about. But um, we got to talk about that Giannis performance in game six. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think you make good points about Aiden. I wouldn't – I would hold off the panic button. Um, I thought game six was a bad moment. Uh, he, he didn't help them in game four as well. A game that was very close that Booker just needed anybody to help him. And neither neither him or Paul were there. Um but he did have some good games in this in these playoffs in this in these finals too. His numbers for the finals weren't that bad. He was like fourteen and eleven, I think. Um, not obviously that's not max numbers, but but he was good. You know, just the games they needed him to be good, he was bad, and I think that's what where the the pessimism lies with him. But he's the guy's only twenty two years old. He turns twenty three literally this week. So you know, he's a kid. I I, I feel like um, there's still a lot of growth there. But yes, we got to talk about Giannis. Um, I mean, I, again, I just feel like there was the, the, the disrespect this man had, had been receiving by some of the basketball community. I mean, to be honest, I think the reason why I felt so annoyed by it was because I saw it with another athlete that I followed and supported and rooted for very closely in Dirk Nowitzki. Jose Reyes. You can say Jose Reyes? Why Jose Reyes? That's a whole different sport. Just you just bugging tonight. Um, no, I felt like it reminded me a bit of Dirk Nowitzki. Um, both guys are super nice, and they're foreign, and their circumstances with their teams, I think, it sometimes lended them to be easy targets when their team didn't perform. It's not to say that they didn't have flaws or they didn't deserve some slander. But the slander would get out of control when it came to talking about those guys. To the point when the when those guys won, the tweaking you see from people who saying who kept saying those guys can never win looks crazy. Like it looks literally insane. But it's because people dug their heels in on Dirk at, at a point in time, and they dug their heels in on Giannis, which was even more crazier because Dirk won his championship later in his career. Giannis is twenty six years old, and people were saying the guy was a Robin. It just—it's unbelievable stuff. Two-time MVP, the Defensive Player of the Year, um, and to see what he did last night—it's—it's it's still kind of—I'm still at a loss for words because I think we thought the Suns weren't the greatest matchup because, as we saw, their best option they felt was to put Aiden on them, 
and that's not a good option. You know, I mean that that's your best option. That's not a great option. I actually thought Crowder gave them way better minutes than Aiton did for a lot of this series, and I, I didn't know why they didn't just stick with Crowder more. Even though I know he's undersized, I thought Aiton could have been more useful coming from the weak side as a as a rim protector than being the man on the front line of the wall trying to get Giannis away from the basket. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I mean, Giannis did what he's supposed to do, man. I mean, when you're a guy of his caliber, you've accomplished what he's accomplished, and you're playing against inferior talent, let's keep it 100. I mean, the, nobody on the Suns is anywhere close as good as Giannis. And this shouldn't be it, – it's not hyperbole anymore. But I feel like going into the series, it would have been hyperbole for some people for to say that. Which is crazy. The guy is a two-time MVP. But a two-time MVP, and you look on the other side, and again, there's no disrespect to Chris Paul or Devin Booker, but he's he's way better than those guys. So, And the guy that's guarding him is a 22-year-old center who doesn't guard guys in the front. He he should go demolition derby. But to see him just, again, just lock in in game six at home, it's a game you you know you got to get. It's not that they can't win in Phoenix. They already showed they could with that miraculous game five. But this is the moment. And this is what we talk about when it's the reason why I got so annoyed. I don't even know if we got to talk about it because I think we kind of took our hiatus at that point. But when you know people were, for some reason, so scared to say that, you know, Kevin Durant game five against the Bucks at home in Brooklyn was a legacy game. People were like, oh, you guys are such casuals and such locals to say that it's a legacy game for Kevin Durant. Like, no, the part about legacy games because people are so defeatist, and that some of it may be because we don't have a we don't have a Jordan, and I don't mean that facetiously, like oh nobody's a good Jordan. I mean that we don't have a guy who just wins all the time. So we we've seen a lot of our great stars fall, like in pretty spectacular fashion, like LeBron, KD, Steph. They've all failed miserably on the biggest moment, and it's so when now a lot of, and I'm a Steph Curry fan, and, but I think sometimes it has led our basketball discourse and the people who support those guys to be so protective of saying well you can't say it's a legacy game because look what they've done their entire career and this doesn't mean nothing and it's like no these games actually do mean something and legacy isn't just oh it's a it's only a negative a legacy game could also mean uh you score 63 points against the celtics as a 22 year old kid in your second year or you score 48 points 27 in a row against the detroit pistons to to send your team to put your team up three two uh, as a 22-year-old kid with the Cavaliers. Like, legacy games also mean you put on a performance that matches the Immortals. And with this 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 error has gotten so soft. They don't even want to they don't want to put no stakes on anything. But Giannis in some ways he's kind of cut from an old cloth cuz to see him that focused and that locked in, he knew it was a legacy game. And again, you mean I, I sound like a local, I sound like a you know, like a casual, and I sound like a hot take guy by saying it was a legacy game. Yeah. But guess what? It's a legacy game now because he scored fifty points. <laughs> like in the, yeah. and and and, and uh, to me, I, I agree with that. Like I, I I we all we all were seeing that the Suns were having a very tough time guarding him. But it was how he annihilated them that was just so telling. I would have never thought if he scored 50 points, he would have made 17 of 19 free throws. I would have never thought if he scored 50 points, he would have been hitting, you know, some jump shots in the mid-range. He would have hit a three. He would have hit a couple of floaters. 
none of that would have been in, in, in my lexicon of how he would have scored that. He was hitting one-legged fadeaways, the same shots that we were just barbecuing him for against Brooklyn when he was taking those shots against James Harden on one leg. He was making those shots in this game. Like, that just... There's just a there's a special it factor and there's a special thing and there's a special zone that just the the elite of the elite athletes can get to in these championship moments. Some guys just have it and some guys just don't. And again, I know it comes controversial to say, oh, some guys don't. Look, it's just facts, man. This is what it is. I'm, we're not here to mince words. And some guys just don't. They're not able to get to that level of focus to put on the performance that Giannis did. There are very few. They're the LeBrons, they're the Jordans, they're the Kobe's, they're the Mikes, um, they're the Larry Birds, they're the Magics, they're the Kareems. It's a very short list. Giannis, he torpedoes himself up to that list with this game. And I love that he went into the postgame press conference and said, yeah, by the way, I didn't run from Milwaukee and join a super team. I'm glad he said it because, again, this era is so soft. Anytime you even say the word super team when talking about the actual context of how some of these stars have won championships in recent years, it becomes, oh, you're a hater. Oh, everybody played on a super team. What are you talking about? Like, I'm glad that somebody who played in this sport, who sees the landscape of the NBA, who's a superstar in this league, can look at this and say, I see how things are going in this league. We're not all stupid. And I could have also taken that route to get a championship and just played a role. I didn't want to do that. And guess what? Now I'm a champion. I love it. I love it. Shout out to Jan Santacupo, uh, a special player, a special story. And again, it's a guy that's very, unless you have agendas, I don't know how you root against him. Like, I don't know how. Because everything he said last night was facts. His performance was Teflon. As I saw, um, as I saw Bomayan Jones say, shout out to Bomayan Jones. He said it was a hater-proof performance, even though there are some people still <laughs> trying to hate. And again, they look crazy. Um, it was just a special night, man. It was a special night. It was a coronation for a guy who was a who was a great player, <laughs> Scott Foster. So, so shout out to Giannis, yeah, I mean, man. What a, what a, what a great run. What a great story. Just happy for him. Yeah, no, it was it was. I mean, yeah, it was an incredible incredible performance. Um, in terms of the the legacy side of it, I think that this was, um, in recent years, what makes this so incredible is I think Giannis, in many ways, did the anti Kevin Durant, and this isn't about Kevin Durant necessarily, but mm-hmm. you know when Durant made his move to Golden State, he was at I think a similar point in his career that Giannis was at, definitely. Uh, except the only difference is Giannis hadn't been to a finals, but there, there had been that kind of fork in the road. We we're never getting out of the, of this, of this conference. Um, you know, the guys, the guy and the guys that I'm playing with, they're only getting worse, you know? And I, I, a lot of people would have, a lot of people would have given Giannis some rope for leaving. 100%. I mean, you know, look, if Giannis would have went to, I don't know, Brooklyn, like, yeah, people would have been like, yeah, it's crazy. Cool. But, right. yeah. you know, but if he would have went to Golden State, people wouldn't have gone nuts. Golden State is, is a down organization. If he would have went to Miami, people wouldn't have went nuts. It would have just been, look, I mean, 
You know, this is what happens, Milwaukee. You know, if you fail a guy like this, you know, this is the new NBA. Guys leave. You know, <laughs> you don't you don't capitalize on having guys like that. Um, and not only did he, not only did he not go into um, free agency, or not only did he not leave, he decided not to even go into free agency. Yep. He could have. He could have. He didn't even put his team into I, that into that ringer of the year of not knowing what was going to happen. Like he didn't even. Absolutely. Absolutely, and him doing that is one hundred percent one of the reasons we're here now with them as the champions. Um, that cloud. I mean, as a Celtics fan, I know about that cloud. It. it I mean, it can deteriorate championship level teams. You know, I mean, yeah. if if you have a guy who, who's one foot in and one foot out. And the Milwaukee Bucks, again, the the management, they didn't do anything really before acquiring Drew Holiday. They hadn't done anything to suggest that Giannis, you know, that they were going to be able to put a championship team together. Oh, yeah. No, I, I came on this podcast and said they were a poorly run organization. And yeah. I think they were. Right. Like all the moves um, that they they made prior to this year – didn't get them a championship. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. But with, with Giannis, like again, we he would have been given all the rope in the world to, at the very least, say, "We'll see what happens this season, and we'll we'll take it from there." And then at that point, the Bucks would have been either pressed with having to trade him or play it out, which I think they would have played it out because they're a championship contender. Yeah. Um. And if look, if they same result would have happened and they won a championship, great. But he, again, anti Kevin Durant, decided to sign long term prior to the season with no guarantees that this Drew Holiday thing was going to work, with no first round picks in the barrel. He bet on himself. Yeah, I don't be more so than he even bet on Drew Holiday. And Chris Middleton, and that's where I think this the Bucks. When you talk about the management side of it, where I give Giannis and I give John Horst and that entire front office credit is they they crafted a team. It was it's it's not your modern NBA of the superstar, you know, or multiple superstars rather, mm-hmm. and you know, building a super team. This team was built around and about Giannis's greatness. And outside of that, you just needed to have enough guys to be able to compete at the highest levels with other elite teams and other and then and those super teams. But on the but this Bucks team wasn't winning a championship without Giannis being the best player in the league and rising up to that occasion. And it's a tall task and it's a tough bet because but as you but as you said, Kendall, he they needed speed, but he hadn't he hadn't shown that ability in the postseason right. to be the best player in the league and to be the best player player in the world. But so as it didn't you, see what are you gonna say? No, I was gonna say, as you said though, the only thing I want to quick say is it took both. Both had to happen. Yeah. Yes. Giannis couldn't just be the best player and then they didn't get any guys who could compete yeah. on that level. Because that's the problem. Yeah. They weren't. They had some guys. Yeah. I don't want to start disrespecting guys who played for them. They won a lot of games for the Bucks, but they had guys that clearly weren't on that level. And yeah. this year, the Bucks had a lot of turnover. Like we kind of don't realize it, but like 
P.J. Tucker they got in the middle of the season. Drew Holiday was in the was in the was in the offseason. Bobby Portis was in the offseason. Bobby Portis played on the Knicks, and they thought that guy could play and win. And I know that's a maybe it's not punchline anymore because yeah. they are good, but he was played on the Knicks before they were good. And they said, well, this guy he may be able to help us in the biggest of big games. And you know yeah. they brought in Pat Connaughton. That's a year removed, but like you know they 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 made some moves. They realized that they didn't have the pieces. They had yeah. they 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 had to hope that the nucleus was right with Anthony Scupo yeah. and Middleton. And but I, they I, knew I the other like... pieces were not it. And they, in credit to them, they made bold moves. It wasn't the super team moves because they they're the Bucks. They're not capable of making super team moves, but they were aggressive moves to say the least that made the difference because again holiday's defense on drew on devin booker was a major difference pj tucker's energy and defense also made a difference and bobby portis man just uh just a man of the people out there in Milwaukee. <laughs> so he's like it's almost, i don't know it's like it's like seeing like a random like uh like like dealer superhero become like a cult favorite <laughs> Watching Bobby okay. Portis just become this old or something. Hey, it's become this fan favorite. I, I shout out to Bobby Portis, man. I liked him when he was on the Knicks, uh, and I've always liked Bobby Portis for really his entire career. Um, so but seeing him get that moment, I was just like, wow, this is really happening for Bobby Portis. Bobby, I was shocked. It, it was crazy, but but like that takes some foresight and that takes some acknowledgement. Again, that's why I got so much respect for these Bucks. I felt like everybody in that organization looked in the mirror. And that's what I love because, again, like Giannis said, a lot of guys, when things get tough, they just decide it's someone else's fault and they bounce. It's not Hayden. It's not whatever. It's just facts. It's just facts. I don't know why saying the truth all of a sudden becomes a hating thing or whatever. We've seen it with KD. We saw it with Harden. In those situations, they said they couldn't get it done with those teams and those guys. It wasn't them. It wasn't them. It was the team. Giannis could have said that. But then it wasn't just Giannis. Chris Middleton. How many times did I hear people say this guy was, you know, should be bagging groceries? He's not a real number two guy. He's a, he's a phony. I mean, that was yeah. – And that is almost get me more annoyed than the Giannis stuff. I'm like, man, do you, like, watch the Bucks? Like, Chris Middleton yeah. is nice. <laughs> like, he's a, he's a yeah. tough cover, man. And and but a lot of times it's just people who, again they they read a box score they just read the name they don't they never heard of them and then they 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 use this to kind of jump on and th- Holiday, these, these crazy man. talking points. Like, and, look, obviously we talk about our brother Henry a lot because he's a, he's a huge New Orleans Pelicans fan, mm-hmm. and you know he he's you know CEO of the Drew Holiday fan club, and for years, man, he's told us anybody wow. who's anybody who roots for the Pelicans loves Drew Holiday. Yeah, also. I mean he's. He's a just, I mean, he, it's him and Drew Brees yeah. in, the, in the state of Louisiana and Joe Burrow in the state of Louisiana. Um, like, we talked about it when David Griffin was hired and he said that the Pelicans were Drew Holiday's franchise and he was the franchise guy and Zion was going to follow in Drew Holiday's footsteps and this and that. And it all seemed ridiculous. And it all, still cra- is. All, all crazy talk, by the way. Still. Yeah, it was still crazy, crazy talk. talk. But, what I think we see is that Drew Holiday was always miscast as, you know, he he's not the face of a franchise type of guy. Right. But when he when he is on this type this type of team, 
where he can play this role of, you know, just, you know, excellent facilitator and playmaker and guy who just is one of the two or three best perimeter defenders in the league and can hit timely buckets and get timely buckets and hit timely shots. That guy is, to me, one of the more valuable players in the league. Um, he, when, again, when you need him to be, you know, your 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 go-to guy, your your face of the franchise, and this and that, that's where you know sometimes in the national perspective he's a little underwhelming for a lot of people. Um, but I think we saw the pressure. I think the pressure for these guys in this series was far less than it was in that Brooklyn series. I think. And I, I mean, look, Phoenix isn't as good as Brooklyn, but I think just not having to look, stare down the barrel of the gun and see Kevin Durant yeah, and Kyrie and James Harden. Yeah, it's like know, I, I said. made these guys more comfortable. Yeah, it's like I said earlier. It's like I said earlier in the pod that like Gian, I mean, Giannis is way better than anybody on the <laughs> on the, yeah. on the Suns. Know, like, that, you that's should... the real thing I think, in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't Sometimes say that when he's playing against the Brooklyn Nets. Like, he's not way better than any of their three stars. So, it's a yeah. different it's a different ball game. And I think the whole team plays with plays with a level of there's a level there's a level of tightness there, as we saw in those first two games. But I actually think that it's going to set up a very interesting Eastern Conference next year because. I would love to see the Nets then play the Bucks again next year. I think the Nets would still handle them, but I think there's something about having a level of you have championship confidence and cha- a championship behind your name. That's a different energy going into that series than you're the team that everyone thinks can't get it done. And it's because yeah. you haven't got it done. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a different confidence. Look, the talent is a talent, so at the end of the day, talent does win out. But so much of why we were so disappointed in the Bucs in the early in that Brooklyn series was because they were so inept against the Nets. We all think they could compete. We didn't think they would get mollywhopped. Well, some people did. But it was disappointing to see them get blown out like that. It was like, this is a team that has a two-time MVP. Like, yes, I know the Nets are a monster, a mo- you know, a bomb squad, but it shouldn't be this easy. So a lot of that, I think, comes with, the mental aspect of the game. The mental aspect, it changes now that they have a championship. And and, and that I think that if those teams cross paths again and if these Bucks look similar, I, I can't imagine they won't be much you know, much different compared to this year than last year. Um if they come in with the same team and Brooklyn comes in healthy, I, I I'm curious if if the Bucks look any better in those first few games against Brooklyn. And is that a more competitive series? Because that was going to be a route. I mean, let's just keep it. That, that was, they were not going to compete in that series. Oh, yeah. I the mean, series completely changed yeah. when Kyrie went down and Harden went down. Yeah, and Harden got hurt, yeah. Yeah, and he, he couldn't come back healthy. It was it was, it was just, it was a different ball game, you know. So, so you know, it's I, I, I thought they had no chance this year. I would be curious with them having a championship to their belt. I think that just brings them a, a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence. They know how to win close games now, actually, <laughs> in finals and championship caliber situations together. The Nets don't know how to do that. Not together. 
you know, Kyrie and 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 KD have won championships on, you know, in their own you know journeys, and won big closed out big games, closed out final games in their journeys. But they've never done it together. James Harden has won playoff games and playoff series on his own journey, but never done it together. So there's a there is that mental edge that they would have in those games. They didn't have the mental edge in these series, and it showed early on because the Nets took their heart in the first few games of that series, and it was going to be ugly with the way that was going. For the Phoenix Suns, do like was this a blip, or, or are they opening next season as your favorites in the Western Conference, pending free agency, of course, and the draft? Uh. It I mean it's tough to that's a tough question only because the I mean they they have a pending free agent so, <laughs> so you know it's like I, I mean how do I, I yeah. so so I mean like again I mean I guess if I throw in like depending on what happens with Chris Paul like if Chris Paul is back if Chris Paul is back and and they back. make they're relatively the same team do they come in as the favorites in the West um, I think they're one of the best teams in the West. Is how I felt going into these playoffs. Uh, I think that the Western Conference is super open, and anything can happen. The West is a gauntlet, man. Yeah, it is because the, no, the Lakers. I get the the Lakers will be there. Yeah, I mean LeBron's I gonna have he's gonna have he's gonna have one more run. He's gonna LeBron he's gonna have one more run at it. I think with the Lakers, and you think it's gotta be next year, or maybe it'll never happen. So. Lakers will be there. I'm not writing off Denver. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can't write off Denver. No, you can't write them off. Uh, we got to see if Murray can come back and be and look, close to what he again, was. I go back to what we just saw with Giannis. Now, look, I think Nikola Jokic didn't have, because he didn't have Jamal Murray. I mean, that's like Giannis not having Chris Middleton. Yep. He didn't have the support to uh, – to feasibly beat a team like um, Phoenix. But he also has to play better, you know, in a series like that. Uh, but if he does, like, I think the Nuggets are built similarly to the to the Bucks in that yeah. you lean on your superstar guy to be the best player in the world over the over the, the course of the playoffs. Yeah, if the Nuggets if had Jamal back, Murray, if the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, they could have beaten any team in the Western Conference. Absolutely. So they're gonna be there. I, I you know, it, like, I feel like it's one. Of, the Western Conference is weird. I feel I don't think that there's this long list of teams that can win a championship. I do feel like the top there are multiple teams. Like I don't think there's a clear thing. So I guess to answer the question, I don't think the Suns are a blip. I think they're one of the best teams in the West. Are they my favorites to to come out of the West? I can't make that statement without knowing what these other teams do, even if Chris yeah, Paul is back. To me, it's, it's too close, you know. Uh, the gap between Brooklyn and I would say the rest of the conference in the East, I still think there's a pretty big gap between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I think we, we tend to agree a little bit. But um, I think the gap between Brooklyn and the rest of the East is much bigger than the gap between whoever's at the top of the West. One hundred <laughs> the next five. Yeah. No, yeah. And like you said, there's a lot of room – for teams to get better. Um, now, what I will say is, look, we don't know what's going to happen to Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. If he ends up in Philly, Philly's a lot closer to Brooklyn 
than they were, um, you know, than they are today. Um, If he ends up in Golden State, Golden State now, I think, is the favorite in the West. I agree Um, with that. So there's a lot of, there's still a lot of volatility when you have a superstar guy like that who's on the market. That's why, that's why Um, that question is so hard to answer for me because, you know, I just, I just get the feeling this NBA offseason is going to be crazy. Yeah, same. That's the, like, we're all talking about Lillard. I don't think it's going to end there. I'm, I don't know who yeah. who else are the guys that are moving, but I just feel like the, the, the landscape of both of these conferences are going to, to, to change in a very major way. Because we talked about it last night. Like, like, you asked me, you know, will we see teams be more aggressive given what happened? I said, I think you're foolish to be more aggressive in the East unless you're getting Dame Lillard. But I think in the West, I think people are going to look at Phoenix and they're going to feel like we can beat that team if we're healthy. Are they right or not? I mean, they got to play the games. We don't know. But I, I think because of that, you'll see these Western Conference teams say everything's wide open. There was this feeling, I think, going into this year that, man, like, it's, everything's going through the Clippers and Lakers. They're just the top teams. And there's, yeah, really, we nothing, there's really nothing we can do to, like, compete with those teams, really. And I don't think I, – I, I think that, one, now nah, those teams are also chasing. But, two, I don't think people look at either of those teams the same way anymore. Because they just saw a team that didn't make the playoffs last year go to the finals. So they know what, – what we all knew about really both of those teams, especially the Lakers, was that LeBron's older – so, how much you rely on him is, is could be very detrimental depending on your situation and his health. And AD's very injury prone. Like these are just things we just these are not this is not new information. We just they overcame all of that and won that first championship. So you're like it was just like you know you thought you, we thought the world was coming falling apart. But at the end of the day, the Lakers then turned around and the concerns you would have had with them before those guys got together reared their ugly head this season so now that people saw the other side of it they say okay well the lakers could be a championship contender or they could be a first round exit so there's no point in being scared of making major moves because at the end of the day if you run against lebron we're gonna lose or if you run into the clippers and all their firepower we're gonna lose the clippers now have a major injury Kawhi leonard out it's almost funny someone asked like i think it was mark gunnell shout out to him he asked you know is like what is like are we expecting Kawhi to play at all next year like we don't, we don't know. Yo, quiet. Yo, the quiet thing is like it's so bizarre, man. It's weird. I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure if Kawhi is going to be a Clipper next year. We still don't know that for a fact. I know he's um, a free agent, right? Or he yeah, can he's be a free agent. Um, there's been some smoke out there about. I think Skip Bayless was when you know, Basketball Insider, Skip Bayless, Basketball <laughs> Analyst, um, you know, put out the the report that, um. Kawhi's people um, don't – they were not happy with the, the Clippers training staff. Um, I don't know if you're making this up. If there's anything to turn Kawhi onto his bad side is to yep. mess with that man's health. Yep. He and look, he, is, so he, he does not need to be bothered. He's very – I mean, I guess there's reports that he's hired made than we thought. But but he, he, don't, he don't complain a lot. He don't say much. He don't cause a lot of waves, but you mess around with that man's health, he it's on site. 
as we saw it's with so the Spurs. It's so funny because, like, it's so bizarre because I've never seen a professional athlete have his have the team's medical staff be arguably his number one priority. Yeah, maybe even about chance to win a championship, but it also look. I mean, look, I can't be mad. I mean, he's a professional athlete, and mm-hmm. his his physical well being, you know, uh, helps to support his financial. Oh, yeah, his so, body is his body is his money, and I don't I don't mean yeah. that to sound harsh or sound super capitalist, but it is is what it is. Like that, right? He makes money so off of being he, this incredible he athlete. He needs to need so. to be able to work. You know, right. I mean, it's just yeah. It, it's what it fundamental. Is. So, yeah. um, it's just it's an unusual, certainly an unusual mindset. But with that being said, he was being very, very. He didn't say anything when he got hurt. There was a lot of words that Clippers didn't. Re- Clippers really didn't even know what was wrong with him. Um, and that situation is bizarre. Again, yeah, I, I get a feeling that thing is not as funny. A random newsletter. I mean, a random uh, press release. That oh yeah by the way Kawhi's got a partial ACL tear weeks after the injury happened. Yeah, they, no they no timetable for his return. Was no timetable for his return, and there hasn't been anything leaking out about when he could potentially come back. That is some bizarre stuff. It is. I I do, I mean look, if we're looking off history, I mean Spencer Dinwiddie had a partial ACL tear. Early, really early in this season, and he said he w- he would have been ready for the NBA Finals. So, you know, I mean, Kawhi sh- should, if he pushes it, be able to play at some point next season. But it's also Does Kawhi. Kawhi sounds like Kawhi sounds not the kind of man pushing. Pushing to come back to work early. <laughs> it doesn't. There it doesn't strike me as that dude. Um. So yeah, no, I think. But yeah, Kawhi may not be a Clipper next year. Um, but this, yeah, the the West is going to be it's going to be a gauntlet. Remember, he um, also he also wasn't sitting on the bench during those games. Even he, he was in the box, sitting in a <laughs> sitting in the rafters like he was Sting in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, he's Kawhi Leonard, man. Some of this stuff could literally be nothing, or it could be what it was in San Antonio. <laughs> that's the yeah, thing about it. It, it could be any. It, it, all of this could just be nothing. It could just be. He don't want to talk about anybody. He don't want to give anybody his information about his injuries. He don't want to sit on the bench because he don't want to be around them dudes. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it might not be all that much. Or it could be everything. And the, I say what, the Clippers are very lucky that their home arena is located anywhere in the vicinity of San Diego. Because otherwise, I think that man would be gone. I, I don't think it would yeah. be a conversation. He would not be there. I think the only thing that will keep him on that team is San Diego. But... It's why I think he'll stay. Because I, I don't think he's trying to give up that crib. We know how much yeah. he loves that crib. And he loves the city of San Diego. So, long as that's still in Southern California and San Diego hasn't relocated to, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, Illinois or somewhere like that, yeah. I think he'll... The I think the, Clippers will... fault. the California hasn't <laughs> separated, you know, from the rest of the country or something. Right, like... as long as it's still, it's still sunshine and 75 degrees, 365 days a year. I think Kawhi will probably stay, but I don't think he's happy. I I do I don't I do now, I do buy the that. Team opens up in, you know, <laughs> Mexico Mexico City. <laughs> you know, the, he may look at that and say, "Oh, it's not that's not too far from San Diego." No, um, you said I earlier in this. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I also look at 
a guy like Bradley Beal as also a guy who will, I don't want to say likely gets moved, but very, very possible gets moved this offseason. I feel, I, yeah, I feel like the, the energy feels like a rebuild is coming in Washington. They've been very do, quiet. Do, do, on do you feel that? Deal, but the hire of Wes Unsell Jr., I haven't seen, I don't think they've had a press conference yet, but it just, it doesn't make sense to run it back from an organizational standpoint. He's a free agent next year, Bradley Beal. I don't think anybody expects him to resign long-term. So what's the what's the point? And again, you're not beating Brooklyn. You barely made the playoffs this year. I don't see what what would be the point in running it back. So, um, And Bradley Beal is going to be highly coveted because there are going to be a lot of teams that feel like they're one piece away. So I would be, yeah, again, I would be surprised, mildly surprised if Bradley Beal was on Washington. And if Bradley Beal is not on Washington, then that means Westbrook He's, will also be there. Right. And you think both of those guys have a market. Right. And that, and that, and that, the very, that depending on the team they go to, they, they make, they make a dent into the, the, yeah. the championship situation for yeah, they, they, they these teams. The yeah, yeah. I mean, you no, know, last time Westbrook got sent to the, he got sent to the Wizards. So that, that didn't make a dent. But if he, I think the next time he gets moved, it's probably to more one of these teams that's trying to compete. Yeah, if you go to the Lakers, it's like the Lakers become better. Of course, I don't yeah. know if they. I don't know if they win a championship because I don't know if that thing works. But he's a better player than Dennis Schroeder, so I know in the playoffs if he can give them anything, which I think he he would and he can, and if he's healthy, it's it's worth trying. Because right now the Lakers don't have many avenues to get better. So if it means bringing in Russell Westbrook, you got to try. It I means- saw you saw Magic Johnson. Matt Johnson was saying that he thinks that Chris Paul should consider taking peanuts to play for the Lakers. Do you, do you think that he will consider that? Magic Johnson wants a lot of guys to take peanuts because he took peanuts uh, in you know in his career when he signed a twenty-year, two million dollar contract or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but no. Um, yeah, no, Chris Paul. I mean, look, take peanuts again. I, I don't want to tell guys. First of all, let me just be clear. Let me just be clear. I peanuts was the word I used. It wasn't magic's oh, word. Magic yeah, just yeah, said, he, no. Magic just said that Chris Paul should consider Russian going to the lake. Right? I'm the one saying he should take peanuts because that's <laughs> that's the only way he's going. That's all they got. That's <laughs> all they got. Is peanuts. Um, <laughs> so I just want to be clear. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Johnson. He didn't. I don't want to put words in his mouth. He didn't say that, that was my editorializing. Oh. Um, fair, fair. Oh, but then I've seen other people say that hey, like maybe Chris Paul should consider taking the vet minimal or the or the, or the, the mid level minimal. exception to to right. sign with the Lakers. And okay, is that? I mean, is that a that don't sound like a viable option to, to a guy who was reportedly asked for a hundred million dollars like that. <laughs> That I mean, maybe this championship so I'll say losing this, this year will will pain him so much that he'll be like, "Yo, I don't care. I'll play anywhere. I'll just pl- give me the best place to win a championship next season." But the guy was asking for a hundred million for three years. That was the last we heard from him. Do the I don't Lakers, see him then turn around saying, "I'll take eight for one year." Are the Lakers, that, that that doesn't sound right to I, me. I mean, Lakers could trade for him, right? Like they could. I mean, they have Dennis Schroeder, who's going to be a free agent. So, but then the they Suns got to take Dennis Schroeder back. 
well, I mean, if you're losing Chris Paul, I mean, there's something they got to think about. But at the same time, the Lakers are, are right. So why would you want to get Lakers? Yeah, I, I, I'm not helping. Well, I'm not helping them get Chris Paul. They're in our division. Yes. Chris um, Paul wants to go there. He can sign with a mid-level exception. Take that eight million dollars and, and help State get it. Go get a raise from State Farm. I'm not sending you to the Lakers. Like the Lakers would be the one team crazy enough to be like, yeah, we'll give Chris Paul whatever he wants. You know, if you if he needs four years, thirty something million, they would they would do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they would do it. They, their timeline is now. They don't care about. They've given up. Oh, they've given up every draft pick they have. Given up every young player. They'll they'll trade a Taylor Horton Tucker or a Kyle Kuzma or whatever it takes to get even Chris Paul. Which again, I don't. I don't think that guarantees them a championship, but it makes them better. And he's thirty seven. Gonna be what is he? Thirty seven. Gonna be thirty eight. I mean, this is it's a risky move to make. It's a risky move to go after a guy like that at this at this point in his career. But again, their timeline is now. Their timeline is LeBron's timeline. Um, so I one hundred percent expect them to make a run at Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul obviously lives in L.A. Close with LeBron. I think LeBron being at those. Playoff games and Rich Paul being at those playoff games, those, the finals games, a little suspect because I don't think Rich Paul has got any clients on any of those two teams. I mean, he probably does at this point. I mean, he has a million clients at this point, but I don't know that's for a, a fact. That's, a, that's a, a fair point. I, I can't think of any. It doesn't no, mean he yeah, doesn't. Definitely none of his priority clients. Are right. On. Yeah. If somehow I, I learned Jordan Nawaro was on Clutch Sports, I'd be like, okay, I did not know that. Well, okay. <laughs> right. Um, so because of that, like that stuff is, is a little weird. I know LeBron is like, he, he's been, I mean, Chris Paul's the godfather to, to Bryce, his son. So obviously they're close, but you know, he's been openly recruiting the guy in public. So that's what you think this uh, is. That's what you think that has been. That is, that was open recruitment. Well, he's been openly cheering for the guy. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's been openly uh, recruiting. Know, he has openly cheered for him. That is 100%. Yeah, what's he, can't, he technically can't openly recruit him. But right. I think when, you know, when the Lakers clearly need a point guard and Chris Paul is his buddy and he's going to be a free agent, I think he's already made it known that that's a guy that he would certainly want to play with. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I think that this is certainly some 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 soft recruiting going on. Um, and... <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think Chris Paul owes anything to Phoenix. I think, you know, but no. if Phoenix comes with a nice offer, he's gonna have something to consider. I honestly don't Which think is, go back to a, a, a drop if he left. But what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say I, I also I don't know what their playoff ceiling is, but I agree that they won't fall off a cliff if Chris Paul they, they lose Chris Paul and they replace him with some comparable starting caliber point guard. I'm not saying like right. If they went they back hit, to a Ricky Rubio situation. They would still be a very right. Um, what I was going to say, though, was uh, it goes back to our conversation we had last night about it is this a blank check situation for the Suns with Chris Paul? I mean, I don't I told you, I don't know if I see it like that. Like we keep like everybody's been saying this is just this foregone conclusion and whatever Chris Paul pretty much wants, which is, again, the number that was being thrown out earlier was three years, 100 million. That was starting like that. The Suns would just give it to him. I I think losing doesn't make him more likely. Doesn't make Robert Sarver more likely to give an aging guy with injury problems more money. In fact, 
like I said to you last night, he's never done it. Every time he's been in a situation where you had a, an aging star on his team that was asking for a lot of money, he got rid of him. That's his MO is that he just he, his MO is that he doesn't fork over big contracts to guys that he doesn't believe can stay healthy. Yeah. You saw it with Steve Nash. You saw it with Amari Stoudemire. Yep. That's just not his thing. Two of the greatest players in franchise history. Yeah. Guys that before this playoff run gave the Suns some of the greatest moments in their franchise history besides Charles Barkley and you know, shout out Paul Westfall, R. I. P. Um, you know, like in guys like that. Like it's been it's been that long. So those guys, again, played for the Suns for a long time and, and Sarver was like, Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I don't know if Chris Paul comes in and talking crazy about I'm getting this kind of money. I don't know if Sarver's just saying, okay. He's never he's never been that guy. And every time we think that, oh, maybe the Suns are turning a new leaf, he becomes Robert Sarver again. As long as he's the owner, I'm never going to just think that he's just giving anybody any kind of money. So I, I, I'm not – I think this Chris Paul thing is going to be very fluid, this this situation. And I guess if I was betting, man, I would lean towards he'll be back. But – I, I think I wouldn't be surprised also if that number is way lower than the stuff that was being floated. Because I don't think there's any like I, I if Robert Sarver gave him three or hundred million, I would be very surprised. That's not who he is. I mean, yeah. we were on pins and needles. For, I'm glad Chris Paul finished these playoffs, but we were on pins and needles. It felt like every series with this guy. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a year older next year after just playing a whole season where he went all the way to the finals. I'm just saying, man. I I, I, I think that there's a – that is a situation that I think is very fluid that we're going to have to keep paying attention to. I don't think – I don't – the the media discourse has kind of treated it as a slam dunk, which I think it would have been had they won a championship. That's not going to happen now that they lost. Yeah, no. Um yeah, man, if you're Phoenix, you have to seriously consider just letting him walk if if the number gets too crazy because their window to winning a championship with Devin Booker and, 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 and DeAndre Aiden, I'm not going to be foolish and say it's 10 years because Devin Booker may not be on the team in five. But, like, if he is, then it is 10 years. You know, if those guys are there... Um, then they'll have plenty of chances to to do that. And this finals run gave Devin Booker a sense of what it's like to be the man in your town. Um, Something that I don't think he really probably felt being there before. It was all this talk. I mean, remember, he was the guy that was like, don't make the playoffs. I don't know what's gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Basically, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we better make the playoffs. And it made it seem as if, oh, he's gonna try and get himself out of Phoenix. And then they missed the playoffs again, but he still signed long term. But there was a lot of smoke about him joining up with Cat in Minnesota or him going to the Knicks with Leon Rose, his boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they they bring in Chris Paul. They, I mean, first they have that great bubble run yeah and they bring in Chris Paul and now a finals run makes it seem as if 
I don't expect him going. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. But again, now this is what this is. He's gotten everything he could have wanted. He's a superstar in the NBA. He plays in one of the best cities to be a superstar in, in Phoenix. Um, and he's he had a chance to win a championship. He had a chance to win a championship. And if and if he's being honest about his performance, which Devin Booker seems like a very honest guy, definitely. Um, in his mentality, he could have played better. Definitely, he couldn't have played better. In games, you know, five and six, but I mean, four and five, but right. Game six, he could have played much better. And if he does, maybe they win that game. They probably do. So, you know, that's that's something that he's going to take. And now it's not again. It's not just him. It's also DeAndre Ayton. But those guys are going to be there. Those guys, you know, uh, if they stick, if they stick around and they 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 work on their games and they continue to get better, then yes, this team will be fine. And so when it comes to Chris Paul, you know, this team is much more than Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think that the the squandering of that number ten pick last year, just I, you know, I can't. Oh man, stress you know how much I like Jalen Smith too. But I, I, as I said Thanks, when man. we did our draft video, I was like, I don't understand why they picked him. It was, it was. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was screaming him right in the face. You know, <laughs> I whole, don't understand you know, it. Our drafts, our draft coverage last year, we t- mentioned it multiple times that Tyrese Halliburton has to be him. the pick. Is a, just a match made in yeah, heaven. He has but, to be the pick, and I, I kept saying, "There's no way he goes past 10. That's his. That's his floor. He may not be there, but if he is, Phoenix is going to run the card in. And they 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 draft Jalen Smith. Who look? If I didn't, I didn't like Jalen Smith. You know, I didn't like. Jalen I, Smith, I know you but, did not like him. But like, even if he was like, like, if he was decent, I wouldn't be harping on this missing on Tyrese Halliburton. But he couldn't get on the court even when their backup center. Tori's ACL in game one. Yeah. They still he still can get on the this is number ten pick in the draft. <laughs> and those draft picks, man, when you have a chance to capitalize, that's why I always give credit to Danny Ainge, because the Celtics were in the conference finals and they had lottery picks and both times he gets Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, though that is not, you know, that is why the Celtics are still competitive to this day. If they would have drafted Scrubs like yeah, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson would have been one of those picks. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> it been... Mom, or whoever else it would have been. Yeah. Or Josh Jackson and Dragon Bender or Chris Dunn. Yeah. You know, the Celtics would be in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so, now look, the the Suns have Aiden. They've got Booker. Those in the, in, in the Sun in, in that sense, are their Tatum and Brown. But those other picks, man. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, now that the Suns look like a perennial powerhouse, like, who's to say next time they're going to be drafting in the top ten? They may never draft in the top ten. Yeah, right? not for a long time. Not, not, not in this era. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the like, fact that you had a top ten pick, not knowing you were going to walk into a, a championship contender, transcended, but is a perfect fit to play with your other two guys. Yeah. And you didn't pick them. I look and if it's a big, uh, I don't, I don't even harp on draft misses like that when it's outside of the top five because you can go in a million different directions with the tenth pick. You know, like. Like, people getting on the Knicks for not drafting Donovan Mitchell, you know, I mean, he was one of five guys they were considering. And, you know, he he wasn't the I, I, he wasn't the obvious pick there. I just think when it comes to drafting, like, and, you know, of course, perfect plug to you guys. So you head, to our, head to our YouTube channel. We got plenty of draft 
content on there, a new video dropping in the morning. If you, you got it may be up by the time you listen to this podcast. Um I just think as a rule of thumb at this point, like if I have a center who I consider a cornerstone, I'm not drafting a center in the top I'm another center in the top center. ten. In the top ten. Definitely not in the top ten. You want to tell me late in the first round, you really like a guy, you really feel like he'll give you great minutes off the bench. I can see that. But there's Aiden's a guy they expect to be there for another ten years. There's just it's inexcusable to draft another center. To draft a backup center, man. That's it's what just, they did. You can't do it. They drafted a, they used the number ten big drive to draft their long term backup and center. You could arguably say, well, maybe they see him as a four. All right, but now they don't like the way the NBA's being played, nobody's playing Jalen Smith and Aiden together anymore. Like in another NBA, yeah, Jalen Smith could have played the four. And he's skilled enough to be a four. But times have changed. That guy's gotta play the five. It's just it's times have changed. So and the, I, and honestly, your, your I center is logging thirty to thirty-five minutes a night. Like, just where is the minutes for Smith? It doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any I sense wonder back if then. Their conversation. Just, I don't get it. I'm wondering if their conversations were similar to what we just talked about. Where I wonder if they weren't completely sold on Aiden a year this time last year. But they were. But they were sold in their point guard situation. I mean, that's that. That to me doesn't make any sense. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess they just looked at it long term and said, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't it make doesn't sense. make any sense. I mean, you could be what you're saying. Not. I'm not saying what you're saying isn't inaccurate. I'm just saying yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Because if, like if they said to themselves, man, like Aiden's going to cost a fortune, even if he doesn't. Do like, wait till you, wait till how much you're going to have to pay for a 36 year old point guard. <laughs> a guy you didn't know you had when you made the Yo, draft pick. If they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, they we'd be telling Chris Paul kick rocks now yeah yeah chris paul will be he would not be coming back and you wouldn't feel bad about it yeah you'd be like all right it's time to, it's we, time we, to pass he, he taught he taught tight hamburger for a year we went all the way to the championship like <laughs> i mean you feel great you're like all right man yeah. didn't work out but now we got a, a young point guard who's had changed with caliber experience playing behind a hall of famer a lottery pick top 10 pick i mean like we now know that not play Halliburton is. and we don't know if campaign we still we don't know if he's gonna play. be back <laughs> we don't know if campaigns will be back. He's a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent also. And they kind of got they, they kind of have to bring him back. They can't lose both. No. No, I mean unless unless they find some really good guards to yeah, replace they get a Lowry with. or they get I mean again, Dennis Schroeder like I don't know. I mean, it's not a great point guard market as you know. No. Uh, being a fan. Yeah, <laughs> believe me, man. I wish it was I wish it was different. They go after Spencer Dinwiddie. I like I don't know. Um last thing on this pod though, speaking of point guards, I think that's a great segue to uh to Dame Dollar. Yeah. Do you think he moves this offseason? Um He's definitely talking about like somebody who would not mind to be traded. <laughs> well, he says he didn't request a trade, but then he also said my team you look at our roster, do you really think this is a championship roster? And now you guys change the coach? He also said he's still waiting to make a decision. <laughs> Which I've never heard about a guy who's, yeah, that's a, that's a new one. Who, who's contractually on a team. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, people are making, putting words in my mouth. And the, first of all, we laugh. We're having fun. Shout out to Dame Lillard. We both have the utmost respect for Dame Lillard. Absolutely. But homie's like, I'm waiting to make a decision. A decision on what? You're on the team. <laughs> this ain't no free agency. Yeah. So, <laughs> now, man. 
So yeah, uh, that that man is not that man does not want to. He he like I said at the very least he definitely would not mind being on another <laughs> team next year. Yeah, because he's still making a decision whether or not he actually wants to be on the team that he is contractually obligated to return to after he comes back from Tokyo. So I I don't know what's gonna happen with this thing. This is, I think is like I think of all the superstar trades we had recently. I think, and I'm putting superstar on, like, on, like, with my, I'm saying it with my chest. Like, you know, because we've had Chris Paul going to OKC. We didn't see that. And Russ going to Houston. That was a little. But I don't know if I say those guys were superstars. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm talking about a top 10 guy. I think this might be the most unpredictable trade situation involving a top 10 guy we've seen in this recent player movement era. Yeah, definitely. Because... He's. This is the first time we've seen a guy that was legitimately signed long term, more than two years. You've got him. In, except for, except got for him Chris. In. Except for Paul George, that we can argue he's a superstar. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul George is was another guy. Um, which that that Paul George situation was. I mean, we didn't know he was going to uh, get traded, right? He, he like demanded a trade and then he was traded in like a day. It was just all yeah, very like five fast. minutes later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was very fast and somehow he was with Kawhi Leonard. It was, that was still a remarkable. And then they said, "Oh no, we planned this for for weeks." I mean, that's why this NBA thing, you know, could happen. This stuff can happen quickly. But, um, but yeah, no. In terms of a, in terms of these long term things, like yeah, I mean, or these these long these long standing, you know chess matches and disputes between star player and franchise, you know, when you have a player that is, is signed long-term, it makes every team of every team in the league has to have an internal meeting what about else? does this make sense for us? Yep. You know, because if you I mean, he's not going anywhere. If he, yeah. If he, the, the risk you have of, we traded all our assets for a guy that was here for a, a very short period of time is out the window. Absolutely. And so because of that, I think it's very feasible that he goes to a team that isn't the teams that I mentioned earlier, like Miami, Philly, or Golden State. Um, the Knicks obviously will be in that market as well. They've certainly been mentioned. I mean, I don't think it's – I think it is impossible that he ends up on the Lakers. I'm going to put that out there. And I know people have thrown out the Lakers or the team he, he may want to go to and they may want to get Damian Lillard. Well, you know what? I won't say it's impossible. It's impossible if they – if they're not trading Anthony Gibbs. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> just throw that out there. And there are some people that would argue they'd be better with Damian Lillard than with Anthony Davis. And that's a, that's a conversation, but mm-hmm. um, then I, I, I find it hard to believe they're going to do that. Um, so yeah, no, this, this is really wide open. I'm, I'd almost venture to guess it's more likely he ends up on a team that is, Good, not great. Um, uh, uh, New Orleans Pelicans, mm-hmm. uh, Denver Nuggets, and it's probably a little disrespectful to put the Nuggets in the same category as Pelicans. Uh, yeah, I would say they are. But, they're great if they got Dame Lillard. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would argue the Pelicans. Great. I got Yeah, we great. Gotta I, I can't say great. We got to see the rest of the roster. Yeah. But, you know, I think that I personally, and it's funny, me and Henry, uh, our brother, big Pelicans fan, we were debating mm-hmm. this yesterday. That I, I'm in the camp that the Pelicans should go all in to get Damian Lillard. He doesn't. He wants nothing to do with that. Um, 
he thinks they should build around Nikki Alexander Walker. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, good luck Kyrie. with that, Henry. But, um, but I, yeah, I think that that would make them a championship contender. But I think a lot of teams, you know, the Sacramento Kings, uh, a team who, that I, who, to get into, who, 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 who poorly have, have interest. <laughs> Apparently, the Kings have interest, man. Apparently, Levesque Rand and listens to our podcast. And he heard my pitch about the Kings making a move for Harden. And honestly, Damian Lillard makes way more sense for the Kings than James Harden did. He's signed long-term. He signed longer than James Harden. Um, You can make a debate who's better. I would say Harden. I would probably say Harden, you know, in a pinch. But Damian Lillard is a far better leader. for So for that organization, which has been admired in mediocrity, and he's way more low maintenance than James Harden. It would make way more sense for them to make a move. And he's from Northern California, which I know we've had this debate a million times. I know, you know <laughs> Oakland is not Sacramento. Not Oakland. Sacramento is not the Bay Area. Let's make let's be very clear to any people from the Bay. Listen to this pod. I just want to make sure that I am not. I am. I am very literate when the it comes guy. to the California <laughs> landscape. So I mean, don't, don't be confused by Kendall suggesting that somehow him being in Sacramento will be comforting to an Oakland kid. I know I don't agree with that, and I know the difference. I just want to put that out there. Look, man, Kyrie is from West Orange. <laughs> yeah, he's from West Orange. He's saying Brooklyn is home. So I, I mean, well, I mean, look, Kyrie is a is a different. He's a different cat, man. We all know that already. So yeah, no. The point being, though, I think there's there are plenty of teams that have to have conversations about Damian Lillard. Um, I It's hard to guess where he goes. Like you said, it's, it's I think the Spurs got to have a talk about Damian. Greg Popovich is coaching him now. They're in no man's land times 100. Like, I don't know if Damian Lillard makes them a contender, but it's a start. I mean... It's a start. <laughs> that, that, that is something that can be said. Um, I, I mean, again, I feel like this becomes a super open situation. I think that the Kings being in it, so allegedly, doesn't surprise me. Uh, like you said, once you have the long-term deal already signed and, and sealed and, and, and shut, it just opens it up for anybody to say, all right, it doesn't make sense for us for a different reason. We all think that everybody's playing the same game. When you're... You have 30 teams, all a different tier. They're all playing different games when it comes to what their goals are. Not every team's goal is to win a championship. Not every team's goal is to be set for 10 years. Sometimes their goal is to make sure they're in the black next season. That sometimes is just their goal. We need to make money for next season. We need to secure a TV deal for the next two, three years. Sometimes those are the goals. Right. (laughs) Sometimes those are the goals that these other teams have. So we say, oh, but this don't make sense for their time. Some teams don't care about that. The Kings don't care about winning no championship. <laughs> I mean, that again, that sounds hard. They haven't beat the playoffs, EJ, in what, 13, 14 years? Exactly. So, like, yeah, that, so they ain't thinking about championship. They're thinking about just trying to be respectable, trying to get make a headline, trying to do anything to get some, some, some clout. So... Of course, the Kings, with a couple good young players and some draft picks, they're going to consider going after a guy in Dame Lillard who is from California, though 
Sacramento's <laughs> like barely California, but he's from California. Like, yeah, they're gonna make that. They're gonna make that call because they're in them. They're they're going nowhere anyway. Like we talk about with the Knicks, and I, I, I for one am not teams trade everybody on the roster to get Dame Lillard. I know there are others who may feel differently, but look, the Knicks play in a city where uh, they staved off a lot of the net fever by having a really good season. But at the end of the day, at, you, I mean, it may never happen for the Nets, but you do get the feeling that at some point, all them guys going to be healthy at some point. And how much longer can you stave off the net fever of them winning a championship or being the talk of the NBA uh, if you're unable to match them in star power and, 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 and on – in the standings. Yeah. So even though you say, oh, but if you get them and you got Randall and, and Lillard, are you winning a championship? I mean, maybe not, but that might not matter to James Dolan. He he might not care about that. And that, that so for Knicks fans, that may hurt them. That may not, they, some people will hate to say it, but he may feel like, yo, like we had a great season, but we were so close. But we, at the end of the day, we got knocked out of the first round and we need more star power. We need more energy. We're getting knocked out of the first round. We need to have at least better players. He may decide, I'd rather have Dame Lillard than R.J. Barrett and, you know, Obi Toppin. It just it is what it is, man. You know, and I don't need all of those first-round picks. Like, these, they're, all these teams are playing on different – they're not playing – again, they're all not playing the same game. So, yeah. and the Knicks, when, we, when you talk about Dame Lillard not, trade, it's just – that's just something yeah. we got to consider. Yeah, that's an excellent point because, like, a team like the Knicks, trading for Damian Lillard, while, yes, you're right, it doesn't – Make them. Uh, a, 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 it doesn't make them the scariest team in the East. I think. It, I think it puts them in the conversation with Philly, and puts them in the conversation with Atlanta, and they're that next tier behind a Brooklyn and Milwaukee. You know, um, Miami. We'll see if Boston's able to bounce back. Mm-hmm. But if you get a Damian Lillard, like I mean, they were already a four or five seed, but um, now. You're talking about a team that could potentially be a three seed if 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 they have a similar season. Um, but the reason why they would make that move is because right now, if they're going big game hunting, Damian Lillard is not the only superstar they're trying to get. Right, and they are. While you're saying, look, you're trading all of these assets. Well, yes, you're trading all these assets because Damian Lillard is not going to be a free agent anytime soon. But 2022 is going to be a lot of guys that are. Right. And someone, if the Knicks have cap space and are a contender, somebody signed, a, somebody somebody's yeah. taking that bread. Somebody's taking that money exactly. from Leon Rose and Worldwide West. So exactly. for them, there is motivation to say we're going to move some of. We may pay. I'm not saying you pay a crazy premium, but you may pay a little extra than a team that is normally in that spot where, you know, we're not going to win the championships while we trade for Damian Lillard. Uh, for example, you know, the... Like, like Memphis. Yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Chicago Bulls, where it's yeah. like, yeah, if we got Dame, you know, yeah, we'd make the playoffs, we'd be competitive, but, you know, we're not we're not going to win a championship. And, but if you told me, yeah, but the year after you're going to get Bradley Beal mm-hmm. or the year after you're going to get, you know... I don't know, Kevin Durant or whatever, whoever it is, then yeah. 
that that's something that you can or LeBron that's something that you consider um and when I mentioned the Pelicans I think the reason they have to seriously consider it is while their timeline may feel like it's eight years from now because Zion's young and Ingram's young Jackson Hayes is young and Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyrie Wilson all their core is young do I feel like did we forget that Zion, Zion's, we, there was a report two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that Zion's family members won him out of New Orleans. Yeah. Like, that was, that was, that was earth shattering stuff for a day or two in Pelicans land. And you're not running on normal time. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. I think, I think this whole Zion's got to get out of thing has been pretty much manufactured and, you know, it's been well, really premature, earlier than I've ever seen for any sort of star player. But it's the reality of the situation. So because Zion is, and Zion's people, even more so than Zion, are pushing this narrative, the Pelicans have to be aggressive. Because you have to make moves that put Zion in a position to at least be in the playoffs. So that he can't look around and say, why are why is everyone in my peer group in the playoffs compete for championships and I have still haven't played in a playoff game? Yeah. You know? And so if you want to guarantee that's not that's that doesn't happen again in a tough Western conference, get Damian Lillard and your team will likely be in the playoffs. And from there, look, if you don't win a championship, you probably wouldn't. But now you've got two superstar players and having two superstar players gives you a chance to win a championship. So I think that's the move that the Pelicans have to make. I don't know if they'll do it. I think Denver has strongly considered it again. A lot of teams, but again, teams on different levels of the spectrum. Sacramento is in a much different position than the Golden State Warriors. I think the Warriors should be very aggressive to make this move. I don't think that Dame and Steph and Clay Thompson makes a ton of sense, but you need firepower in today's NBA, and the Warriors are not a championship contender if they don't get a superstar next season. If they run it back and they keep Wiseman and they keep they draft two guys in the lottery this year, they're not a championship contender. They can they'll still be good. They may make the playoffs, but I don't consider them a serious contender. And when you look at Klay Thompson coming off an Achilles and an ACL, I don't know what Klay Thompson is going to be, so we can't rely on him to be a, the number two. When the yeah. last time he played basketball, he was playing with Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry. And now you're going to ask him to do more coming off of two major injuries. Yeah. So having not played NBA would, basketball in two years. Yeah. That's a lot. We had a plan. We had a pandemic that <laughs> pushed everything back. Yeah. I, I find it. Yeah. I find it very risky to say we're going to run it back. And Damian Lillard is obviously going to be the best player available. And their asset base is one of the most attractive around the league. When you build a package around Wiggins, <laughs> I shouldn't say Wiggins first, you build a package around Wiseman, the number seven pick, uh, the 14th pick, and Andrew Wiggins, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, great, that's a great package. Because Wiggins can still play. 
Wiseman was the number two pick in the draft, and I thought it had a solid rookie year. It wasn't incredible, but it has a lot of upside. And then two lottery picks. And you've got plenty of future draft capital. So, yeah, I, to me, the, the, the I, I think, honestly, when you look at this scenario, the winners are the Portland Trailblazers. It's not Chauncey Billups. He signed up for a job that it's not going to be good in a couple weeks or a couple months. But long term, they're going to get a great package for Damian Lillard. I think that's clear. When you have this conversation, you go yeah. to all the teams. Yeah, because every, yeah, everybody, everybody wants There's in. going to be a massive bidding war to get Damian Lillard. And when that happens, the Blazers are going to wind up with the best package. And that Dame has very little leverage to say, I'm not going there or going there. Yep. Like he, he, Someone's going to be willing to pay 200 cents on the dollar. Yeah. To get Damian Lillard. Yeah. Thanks for Marks for a very interesting off interesting off season. Um, I know we'll be talking plenty about it over the next several weeks and months. But Bro, real do, quick, the only thing sorry, okay. The only thing that would hurt <laughs> the only thing that would kill my clothes. I was I was as in the zone as but Yeah, yeah, my bad. You killed my clothes. But let's go. Say, What's up? The only thing that would Overtime. hurt Damian value is if other guys start popping up on the market as well. If a Bradley Beal becomes available Mm-hmm. Um, if a Westbrook becomes available, if a Chris Paul becomes on the market, like if th- those situations arise, if there's other guys exactly being that we don't expect, then teams may just pivot to yeah. those guys. Yeah, exactly. That's so definitely true. have to act early if, and be aggressive in trying to move this guy. Like we talked about with Houston. Remember, we talked about it with, with the James Harden thing. Like Houston, I don't know why you're not calling everybody in the league trying to say, what do you want for James Harden? Yeah. I- because once you find yourself asking for teams for deals, now Harden has the leverage, and then, then all these teams. And, start he's, to all, he's, and he's the only he's the only he's the only guy on the market, so therefore, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it put them in a bad spot. Yeah, so Portland, if they're aggressive, they're going to get a, 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 an excellent package. Point being. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But um, again, we'll be following all these storylines throughout the entire NBA offseason. But that'll do it for now on this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Of course, if you like this show, be sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. We're less than a, or a little bit more than a week away from the NBA draft. And by the time you listen to this, we'll be exactly a week away from the NBA draft. So, um, so we'll have plenty of draft coverage for this next few uh, days before the we learn the the selection. So make sure you keep it locked in on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you catch us on social media as well. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Find us individually on social media. You can find. Me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, Action EJ. Kendall can be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. Thank you guys so much again for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.